All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for guiding us uh, these past few weeks, giving us the creativity uh, and, and the ability to be able to do things that we've never done before. Uh, thank you, Father, for uh, people uh, in our midst that have the gifts and talents to make this all happen and work. Lord, you know who they are. I know who they are. And uh, we thank you for the, the awesome uh, creativity and the ability uh, that not only that they have, but their willingness to share it, Lord. We pray that as we move forward in our journey in the book of Acts, that your spirit would be with us in a mighty way. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was about uh, 36 years ago this month, and it was my first time that I remember ever uh, getting on an airplane. I was flying to Florida to visit a friend of mine. I was on an airplane when I was three years old, but I don't remember that at all, and I hadn't been on an airplane ever since. So I am now 25. It's actually my birthday, 25 years old, and I'm getting on an airplane to go to Florida to visit my friend. And I'm waiting, and I had never done this before, so I, uh, I'm getting the tickets. I'm extra careful. I want to make sure that I don't forget anything. I'm waiting to board and waiting to board and waiting to board, and then finally uh, we are boarding, and I'm waiting for my time and my place to make sure that I have my seat. And I get to sit down, and next to me are these two sweet little elderly ladies. I think they were sisters, and uh, they were... They, it was obviously that they, they, that they flew all the time. And apparently I was recognizably nervous uh, because they began to talk to me and told me about, hey, listen, don't worry. It's going to be fine. We fly all the time. This is really simple. This is easy. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, we are sitting next to the engine, so it'll be a little loud. But that's why the seats are a little cheaper. I mean, they're going on. And I'm like, wow, great. I get to sit next to these two ladies that really know what they're doing. And I was uh, really kind of uh, uh, just nervous, I guess, but felt a little bit more at ease sitting next to them. And so at first it was very pleasant. Uh, we got to talk, and the noise wasn't as loud as I thought it was going to be. Uh, the uh, uh, airplane people were very nice, and everybody was really friendly, and uh, they began to serve uh, food tiny food in tiny boxes on tiny trays as I was sitting in my tiny seat I began to realize this is the way of flying we are going to do everything tiny and it was uh, but it was fine everything was great and then without a warning my ears began to pop my tray slid off my tray table and suddenly these, these, these things fell out, just like they said it was going to happen. These, these uh, masks fell out. And I, I'm not sure, I've never flown before, so I'm thinking maybe this is normal procedure. Maybe this is what you do, you know. I don't know why my ears hurt so much. But as I looked over to my two new friends, uh, they had their masks on and I could see it in their eyes, the terror of, of something was going on that was not good. And, and, and suddenly uh, the, uh, the plane started shaking and, and my ears were hurting even more. And, and, and I remember seeing the, the, the terror in other people's eyes. 
uh, including the flight attendants. And I, I am sitting there going, what is going on here? And I remember praying. I remember praying. First thing I prayed is, God, please help my ears to stop hurting. And then I remember praying, Lord, if this is my last moment, please take care of my family. And then just as unexpectedly, the ears began to stop popping and the plane seemed to correct itself. And it felt like the flight was regaining its original smooth ride. And then the captain's voice came over the PA system on the airplane. And he said, uh, he starts off by saying, well, folks, uh, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, there is no cause for further alarm. We hit some unexpected turbulence. And uh, for, uh, for a moment, we lost power in the radar. But I'm um, happy to tell you that all instruments are back up and running. However, as a precaution, we're going to do an emergency landing in Charlottesville. And I remember just looking at those ladies. They didn't even want to look at me. It was as if, as if they felt like they let me down, like it was their fault for some reason. And I'll never forget when we landed and we got off the plane, I would say 90% of the people on the plane made a beeline for the bar. And I sat there with a couple of other people, and I just prayed. And I thank God for sparing my life. I had no idea what was going on. And we had lost power. I remember telling the story when I got to Florida to my friends, and I remember getting on that second flight and feeling like, wow, this is really scary. Uh, and I've been on many, many flights after that. But I thought about what do we do without power? How vulnerable are we when there is no power? I'm amazed how much we attempt when we think we have power, but we do not. I don't know if you've ever experienced a power outage. Usually it tends to happen just at the worst time. Uh, you're cooking something or you're, you're watching something or you're on the, a computer and, and you're doing something really important and boom, everything is lost. It's terrible. Everybody's into power these days. Business people have power lunches, power ties. Restless young people want powerful muscle cars. Government want to know how to deal with superpowers. There are power brokers, power saws, nuclear power. I'm going to talk to you about power today. The disciples were asked to wait. To wait for the Holy Spirit power. So that they could become a church that was unstoppable. I'm going to show you a slide here um, from Acts chapter 2. Or actually, uh, this is from Acts chapter 1. Just a little rewind, a little uh, going back to what we had started in the first week that we started the book of Acts. Just to remind us, uh, when Jesus, right before he ascended, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. So they were waiting. 
for the promise. The Bible tells us that they were waiting together. They were praying together. And in uh, chapter, Acts chapter um, 2, verse 1, it says, When the holy day of Pentecost came, 50 days after Passover, they were gathered together in one place. Pentecost was this lively Jewish festival which uh, kind of celebrated the post-barley, pre-wheat harvest. It was actually a happy, even though it was a holy festival, it was a happy festival. The Jewish nation had been celebrating Pentecost, this festival, for many, many decades, many centuries. It was a joyous celebration. It was a joyous feast. So devout Jews from across the Roman Empire were there in Jerusalem to be there for this wonderful celebration, to celebrate this festival. I mean, this was not just like something where it was very, um, uh, you know, carefully, wholly planned. No, this was, this was a fun celebration. This was a thankful to God, but there was joy in it. There was stuff happening. It was kind of like the Jewish Mardi Gras. You know, they were just really having an awesome time. That was Pentecost. And for some reason, God decided to show up on that day. And it happened. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jerusalem was hit by unexpected turbulence. A violent wind filled the air and the power filled the room, the Bible tells us. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 2 and 3, it says, A sound, picture yourself among the disciples. A sound roars from the sky without warning. The roar of a violent wind in the whole house where you are gathered reverberates with sound. I mean, think about that. Then a flame appears, dividing into smaller flames and spreading from one person to the next. Can you imagine being there? In John chapter 3, Jesus likens the Holy Spirit to the wind. He says, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. He's talking to Nicodemus. It's the first time he begins to describe this, this spirit as the wind. And then in John 20, when he wanted to empower his disciples, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them his wind. And it took weeks for the breath to turn into full, powerful gust that happened at Pentecost. The fearful turned into faithful. And in Acts chapter 2, the power comes in as a rushing, mighty wind. The Bible says it was like a violent wind. Then the Spirit began to spread like wildfire amongst the believers. Luke is writing this, and I don't think he fully understands what's happening. He's trying his best to describe the event which are unfolding using the only language he knows, which is the human language. I don't know if you've ever experienced something or seen something where you just didn't have the words to, to describe it. You, and so you have to come up with examples or allegories or some way to, to somehow connect this in the minds of people. 
You can almost imagine Luke writing these accounts down and stopping to think about these events. You can imagine him thinking to himself, how on earth am I going to describe the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost as Jesus promised? How am I going to do that? And I can imagine him sitting down and, and, and thinking, well, it was very loud and it was very powerful. I mean, it was like, like as loud as, as a hurricane, and I mean, almost, you know, the sound that that makes, and, and, and he's trying to describe this, and, and he's like, I really can't describe what I saw. It was, it was like brightly obscured fire, like, like small little flames, but they all land, landed on people, and can you imagine him trying to describe this? I got to tell you, if there was ever a moment to be a fly on the wall in history, this would be it. I would love to have been there just to experience this. Suddenly, a sound they heard. It filled the whole house. They felt it. Flame-like shapes appeared. They saw it. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They experienced it. They spoke in different languages. They spoke it. There was no mistaken he'd come. And a thousand people experienced his arrival. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine the feeling when I was young and a bit edgy and empty and confused? I thought nothing could feel better than the drugs that I was addicted to. Nothing could energize my boredom better than that until I found Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the first time that I took the step of courage to share Jesus with somebody. I remember feeling like I was so totally unable to do this. Uh, I had, did not have any background in this, but amazingly, suddenly, I began to have these memories from things that I had read, and, and suddenly this energy came over me. I had never felt so high. So much so that I couldn't wait to do it again and again and every time. Even moments where I was rejected, I felt this energized because I realized they were not rejecting me. They were rejecting God. Nothing, nothing compares to the high that one feels when filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Take it from me. I've been doing it ever since. I've been doing it for decades now because it is amazing. Nothing compares with it. And I cannot wait to get to heaven to experience God even closer. Now, there's a couple important observations that I want to share with you. And the first one is this that we get from this story is that and, and we talked about this last week, and we're going to talk about this a lot because this is part of what the book of Acts keeps sharing with us. And that is this, that God loves to meet us where we are. God loves to meet us where we are. In, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, it says... All the people present are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, and begin speaking in language they have never spoken as the Spirit empowered them. And then it says, because of the Holy Festival, there are devout Jews staying as 
pilgrims in Jerusalem from every nation under the sun. They hear the sound and a crowd gathers. And they are amazed, the Bible says, because each of them, I mean, think about how weird this moment must have been. Each of them can hear the group speaking in their native languages. They are shocked and they are amazed by this. Can you imagine being at a gathering and suddenly you begin to hear this? And maybe you're, maybe you're in, in, a, in South America somewhere and somebody starts to preach and then suddenly you begin to realize he's speaking in perfect English. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe you're from South America and you come here and you don't know the language and somebody starts to speak and, and you begin to realize she's speaking in perfect English. Hispanic. It's, it's unbelievable how this is. How could this be? And they're all listening to it in Russian, in Italian, Chinese. I don't know where they were coming from. In Greek, they just all began to hear it in their own language. Not only that, but each language has its own dialects too. I believe that some of them were actually listening to it and hearing it in their own dialects because God's job was to meet them where they were. God's desire was to talk their language. When I first came to the U.S., uh, many of you have heard my story, uh, but I was a bit nervous about going to school because I had a fantastic teacher when I was young. And so I was really worried about my new teacher. I'll never forget going into the school and, and, and walking into the classroom, and boy, I was wearing all the wrong clothes, and I, I looked Italian. I looked totally different. And I remember my teacher just uh, all of a sudden uh, said, benvenuti, you know, like that, which is the Italian word for welcome. And I thought, oh, wow, very cool. And so she had me come up to the front, and everybody's applauding, and maybe some giggles. And, you know, giggles are the same language in every language, by the way. And I remember feeling a little strange, and I remember her coming to me and bending down towards me and saying, what is your name. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what she's saying, but they sure speak slow here in the United States. And she could tell that that didn't work, so then she went into plan B. Plan B was, what is your name? Like as if all of a sudden I got deaf, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, <clears throat> you're not getting this. Not only do you guys speak slow, but you guys are stupid. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, why is she after you? Why is she yelling? And then plan B didn't work. She went to plan C. I love this one. I didn't get it till way later, way later, but this is what she said. She goes, she went like this with her hand. She goes, look at me. What is a your name? <laughs> like for some reason, somehow, the Italian accent would give me a clue. I remember feeling like, wow, you know, this is so, so crazy. But although flawed, I appreciated her attempt to speak my language. I remember going on mission trips. I remember my very first mission trip. We went to uh, Panama. And uh, I had never spoken Spanish before. Uh, but I, as I got there and I spent a couple of days there, I began to realize there was a, a lot of similarities between uh, Italian and, and Spanish. Uh, there was enough similarities that I could try to pick up the language and start talking. 
And I remember talking with people, talking to cab drivers, uh, talking to people on the streets. And they could tell that I didn't speak Spanish, but they understood me with enough body language and enough Italian. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the phrase was coined that I was speaking Spitalian, you know. That was, that was the Spanish and Italian together, Spitalian. And I remember thinking, wow, this is amazing. And then by the time I went the next year and the year after, I could pick it up so fast. Now, this was not miraculous in any way, but I think there was something that the Holy Spirit was doing. I remember giving a Bible study to a young person in Spanish, and I had no clue what I was saying. But they came to Jesus. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. These believers were miraculously able to speak other languages. And so the crowd was amazed. They're sitting there going, what does this mean? How could this be? They must be drunk. That's what they said. These people must be drunk. Don't miss that, by the way. This is important. Connected to what I had said before. See, when you are filled by the spirit fire, you have so much energy and joy that others may actually uh, think that you're high. But you're not. You're filled with joy. You're filled with energy that is totally uncommon to humanity. And they did not understand it. They couldn't, they, they just, they would thought they was crazy. And Peter says, there's no way. It's nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. Nobody's drunk here. This is the Holy Spirit. I love God's ability to meet us where we are. I love God's ability to meet us where we are physically. I love God's ability to meet us where we are emotionally. I love God's ability to meet us where we are intellectually. I love God's ability to meet us where we are spiritually. We serve an amazing God. Where were you when the Lord first confronted you to introduce you to his love and grace? Can you think back to a time when Jesus became real to you? Uh, some of you have been, been raised in a church and you've, you've believed for as long as you can remember. But even then, maybe there was a time when you owned it, when it was yours. And some of you who are converts, maybe like me, I remember uh, hearing it. I remember, I remember I was in a car the first time I was smoking something, and on my way to a band practice to play drums, and the guitar player in my band sharing with me about God. And at first I rejected it, but the more he shared, he met me where I was intellectually. He met me where I was emotionally. He spoke a language that I didn't know he knew. And here I am today. So God meets us where we are, and then B, I love this, God leads us to truth. Listen to what Peter says here. Uh, everyone, um, hold on, sorry. Uh, all you Israelites, listen to my message. It's about Jesus of Nazareth a man whom God authenticated for you by performing in your presence powerful deeds, wonders, and signs through him. And 
Peter is doing some preaching here. Just as you yourself know, this man, Jesus, who came into your hands by God's sure plan and advanced knowledge, you, this is Peter speaking now. He can speak in their language. He's filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit is telling him to say these things. And he says, you nailed Jesus through a cross. You killed in collaboration with lawless outsiders. But God raised Jesus and unleashed him from the agonizing birth pangs of death, for death could not possibly keep Jesus in its power. And this is one of those moments right now that I wish I was doing this live in front of a whole congregation. Because I'd love, just wherever you are, I'm going to read that again. You just say amen. As loud as you can. Don't worry about your neighbors. Don't worry about who's listening to you. But God raised Jesus and unleashed them from the agonizing birth pangs of death. For death could not possibly keep Jesus in its power. Amen. You say it and you say it with all conviction. That is the good news of truth. And he doesn't mind telling them, hey, you nailed to a cross. You may be sitting there going, but I had an alibi. I wasn't even there. I wasn't even born. That's a pretty good alibi. But the Bible tells us that each and every one of us were there. Somehow in Adam and Eve, somehow, somewhere, we were the ones that were there with those Jews, with those Romans. We were there nailing him to the cross. There is no alibi. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It was our sinfulness that put Christ on the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed because of yours and my iniquities. That's the truth that the Holy Spirit led them to say. And then C, which is wonderful, is that God has a plan. The Bible says, everyone in Israel should now realize with certainty what God has done. I cannot help but think about the power and courage that Peter had. This guy who just a few weeks before was cowering and denying his Lord. God has made Jesus both Lord and anointed king. This same Jesus whom you crucified, when the people heard this, their hearts were pierced, it says. And they said to Peter and his fellow apostles, brothers, what should we do? What should we do? Instead of saying, hey, stop accusing us. Stop saying this. We had an alibi. No. Their power of Peter's words were so Holy Spirit-filled, so powerful, that it pierced through their hearts. They couldn't help but say, how, what should we do? What can we do? And Peter says, reconsider your lives. Some of you out there right now, may I encourage you to reconsider your lives. Change your direction. Participate in the ceremonial washing of baptism in the name of Jesus, God's anointed, the liberating king. Then your sins will be forgiven. And the gift of the Holy Spirit will be yours. This same gift that you see in me will be in you. For the promise of the Spirit is for you, for your children, for all people. Even those considered outsiders and outcasts. Maybe you're there and maybe you're feeling like an outsider or an outcast. But the Bible says that forgiveness is for you. That the Holy Spirit is for you. If you only would accept, the Lord our God invites everyone, he says, to come to him. And we here at Richland Church, we are committed to accept 
people where they are, to serve people how they need, and to love them in every possible way we can. You can join us and experience this joy. The cross, Peter says, wasn't an event authored by men to exterminate God. The cross is an event authored by God to rescue you and me. And then finally, number four, or letter D, God embraces the repentant heart. So not only does uh, God meet us where we are, not only does he lead us to truth, not only does he have a plan, but when it's all said and done, he is waiting with open arms to embrace us if we repent, if we reconsider our ways and, and, and go the right direction. In fact, it says uh, Peter was pleading and offering many logical reasons to believe. Isn't that wonderful? It's, it, was, it was appealing to the, to the mind as well as the heart. And then he says, whoever made a place for his message in their hearts, whoever made a place for his message in their hearts received the baptism. In fact, that day alone, about 3,000 people joined the disciples. Three thousand people made a place for that message in their hearts. Would you would you make a place in your heart for this message? Wherever you are right now, before God, I can't see you. And I don't know if you're alone or with family members, but if you would have the courage to say, God, and raise your hand, say, God. I want to make a place in my heart for you. And you raise your hand or you stand up and you let God know. And trust me on this. If you do so, God will accept you, embrace you, and welcome you into his kingdom. And you can have eternal life. And so when we wait for the power from God, not our own, he fills us. He empowers us and enables us to preach and live a sermon life. He teaches us to meet people where they are. He leads us and others to truth. He unleashes his plan and his movement and he embraces all who repent and the movement becomes unstoppable. I'm amazed how 120 people were able to to be the tools in God's hand to convert 3,000. And today there are churches of 3,000 that could not even convert 120. Something has gone wrong. And maybe perhaps what we need is to let go of our control, to do it our way, and to say, Holy Spirit, you come. Let's do it your way. You, I will wait until you move in us so that we could do the work that we need to do. And then the chapter finally ends with this. The community, I love this. The community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them. Gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying. Everyone 
Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared all their material possessions in trust. They sold any possessions and goods that did not benefit the community and used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified. Catch this. They were unified as they worshipped at the temple day after day. No more fights about how to worship. (laughs) No more fights about this or that. Suddenly, the power of the Holy Spirit unifies them in a way that they had never been unified before. Suddenly, they become generous. If there was ever a time, church, that we need to come together and share our resources, this is it. People are hurting. And if you're out there and you're hurting and you need help, you let us know. Let us know. We want to help if we can. Whatever thing we can do, we, can, we want to do for you. And certainly we can pray for you. And we can unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you'd be amazed what he can do. He is amazing. They were unified as they worshipped at the temple day after day in homes. They broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. And the new disciples praised God, these 3,000. The new disciples praised God. And they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their numbers. Day after day, the Lord added to their number. Day after day, the Lord added to their number. Everyone who was experiencing liberation. If there was ever a time, this is it. Stand and ask God to change your life. As I pray right now. Father in heaven, you are just amazing. I am so blown away by your Holy Spirit wind. I cannot imagine my life if I had chosen the wrong course, if I had stayed on the course that I was. All the things that I would have missed out on I thank you, Lord, for saving me and changing me and helping me to change my direction, for giving me the joy of partnering with you, with the Holy Spirit, and I pray this would be the experience of everyone with an earshot of this message. I pray, Lord, that somehow, some way, your spirit could reach deep down inside, that they could feel it and hear it and see it. And then one day speak it for your glory. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Once again, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you would uh, uh, fill out the virtual connection cards, we'd love to know what's going on in your life. If we could pray for you, if we can help you through the journey of coming to Christ, we'd love that opportunity. And God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.